The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Nova Show, you listen to Real Sports on the Voice of America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. What matters is we have a new Super Bowl champion, the New England Patriots. Didn't believe I'd be saying that today, but of course I'm one of those people that, hey, I can uh, I can have my own, I can root for the team that I like to root for, but you got to give respect where it is deserved. And uh, of course the New England Patriots deserve to be called the Super Bowl champions 2015. They didn't just, uh, they earned it. They fought hard. They did all the right things, made a few bad plays. But when it's all said and done, all I ever want to do is just have one more point than the other team because that means we won. And, of course, they did. I, on the other hand, of course, I, you know, I kind of I had to go the other way. I picked the uh, Seattle Seahawks to win the game. Uh, shout out to uh, the entire uh, family of the New England Patriots, but particularly to the McDaniels family. I wasn't going against Josh. I was just uh, uh, picking what I thought was going to be the best team on that Sunday. And I'm not so sure that uh, if you played mm, 10 times, who would win that game? But I tell you what, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it for probably the entire show. I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about the player networking event. In fact, I'll get that out of the way. Uh, again, we had the 15th annual player networking event this year here at the campus of ASU and Memorial Union. I just want to thank everybody who came out. You know, one thing about the Super Bowl, it's, it's starting to galvanize more players from around the country, around this United States of America who have contributed to this game. And we had a fantastic time. Uh, I want to thank the man, of course, who had his moment, Guy Troop. Just been servicing players for all those years. There, there was a special honor uh, that was um, tribute was paid to Lem Burnham. Lem, of course, is a former Philadelphia Eagle, director of player programs at the league, uh, worked for the Philadelphia Eagles as well. Just an outstanding gentleman. Got a chance to see him, and just uh, you know, he basically is the one who started it all. Uh, it was his vision that he had. And, of course, Guy, as, as an understudy, I think I'm pretty sure Guy was hired by Lem Burnham to work for the lead. And Guy continued to um, take that torch and take it to a, another level outside of the league. The league allows him to continue to work with players as a consultant uh, in their transition and their development as human beings. It's extremely important that athletes continue to conduct themselves in such a way that does not tarnish the shield, but more importantly, does not tarnish the name of their families. And we've had some of that. Things happen. We all know things happen. I'm not making any excuses, but things do happen. But it's best that the good things happen more than the bad things. So I hope the guys continue to focus on that. And all those entrepreneurs that were out there, all those players who had their own business, 
uh, all those that were, were pitching. I, too, was a part of the Shark Tank experience, so, it, so to speak. It was actually called the Gridiron Game Plan, and it had the theme of a Shark Tank, but it was all professional athletes who were there to pitch a, uh, a new business venture or perhaps maybe an existing business that they wanted to expand that business and, and pitched in front of a, uh, a group of people. Some of those people were called scouts. They were there to um, analyze your presentation uh, to give you some advice as to perhaps maybe what you could do to spruce it up a little bit, the good and the bad of, of the presentation itself. And then, of course, we had the, the coaches, we called them. They were uh, the people who had the ching-ching, who had the cash, and who were willing to, if you had the right uh, pitch, the right product, uh, they would express an interest and decide if they wanted to invest money in your company. So it was all in all, it was a great day. <clears throat> As I said, uh, just uh, just so thankful to see so many players out there. I, I'd be remiss to try to name some if I couldn't name them all. So all the members of the fraternity, thank you for coming, for supporting Guy. Guy, thank you for supporting us. And now I will move into this man, this moment belongs to Chef Julian himself from the Hall of Fame city. Uh, by the way, speaking of the Hall of Fame, uh, a, a, a man who has been uh, very involved with the player networking event uh, for the past few years, I think that I, I want to also make sure that we dedicate some time to him and talk about him, and that's Will Shields from the Kansas City Chiefs. I actually interviewed Will uh, at the player networking event. I think it was in Indianapolis. It was the first time he was on the ballot, and I, I wow, I just could not. It, it was so surprising to me how composed he was, and there was a chance that he might get a call, and he might have to leave the player networking event and go down to the podium and accept his, um, the honor of being inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Well, this time he wasn't there with us because he was there, and I, I think it happened for him. So, uh, Chef Julian. <coughs> Oh, excuse me. Um, picked up a little cold here over the weekend. Chef Julian, welcome to the show. Of course, you watched Thank that you. game. I know that you were excited. <coughs> I know that you were somewhat, um, I'm not going to say you were um, You were disappointed, but I think you and I may have been on the, <coughs> boy, I need water. Um, you and I might have been on the same side in terms of our, uh, Picking the Seahawks. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was, and I was certainly disappointed. I was disappointed. Uh, I expected the Seahawks to win this game. Uh, I almost certainly expected them to win at the end. But, uh, you know, uh, shout out to the Patriots. They made the better play. They were the better team. And they went out there and they executed, and they didn't give up. Now, do you think uh, the execution for the Patriots, as well as evaluating the, the execution of, of the Seahawks, in your mind, who do you think played the better game as a whole? I know who won the game, but who do you think played the better game? Well, the, at first, it took a while for the Seahawks to pick, it, to pick up their game, but as soon as they got, uh, as soon as they got uh, that first touchdown, they were executing the entire game except for that last team. I mean, I mean the Patriots did play Patriot football, but the Seahawks played uh, a better game, but they did not come out on top. And, and we all know that it's always, you know, it doesn't always happen that way. You know, the team that, 
that plays the best uh, doesn't always win. Uh, sometimes some things happen. Uh, you may not play consistently as well as the other team, but you can make enough big plays. And, and I think that's what, what people uh, sometimes fail to realize is that there, there are plays, <clears throat> just as we talked about last week, um, you know, we, we took a look back on the Green Bay game, and of course it was a special teams play. I don't believe that special teams play is what lost the game. Um, the onside kick obviously wasn't recovered, but I don't think that lost the game. I thought, again, it goes back to what I'm going to talk about now, what I thought about, uh, in my opinion, what lost the game for the Seahawks. Because, again, you can't get the ball down on the ground, I mean, on the goal line, particularly deep inside the red zone, and not have a running game. You don't have the, I mean, you don't need those big men to do much more. Of course, they got to learn how to pass block, and they all are very good at pass blocking. But I think that the pass blocking perhaps maybe has been compromised. I mean, well, the run blocking has been compromised for pass blocking. Nobody runs the ball anymore. Certainly, I don't care who it is. You can't have the ball inside the one-yard line or inside the two-yard line or the three-yard line. Three maybe. But you can't have the ball at the two-yard line and, and afraid to run the ball, the one-yard line afraid to run the ball. We've got a surprise guest. No, not a surprise because I anticipate he probably would call in because I think he's got something to say. And Keith, of course, was here last week. And Keith, of course, last week said that he thought the New England Patriots were going to win the game. And I think he's here to, to, to rub it in a little bit. Keith, <laughs> are you trying to rub it in on us today? No, I'm not here to rub it in. I'm here to say that it was exactly the type of game I thought it was going to be. Uh, in terms of two very evenly matched teams, um, I felt that, like I said uh, last week, that the defense for New England was slightly underrated and they would be able to rise to the occasion. Of course, I didn't expect them to rise in the last 20 seconds the way they did. Uh, I'm glad they did, of course. And no one in the world would have ever thought you got the best running back in the world and you don't get the ball to him. That made absolutely no sense for anybody. Yeah, and I, I think that's the most surprising thing to me is, you know, I, I've said it last week when I said about Mershon Lynch is that I thought that Seattle would run the ball directly at it. I mean, that's what is when you have a good running game, of course, most teams nowadays are too fast. You can't try to run east and west on teams. If you're going to run it and you got the big fellas up front to move them, you got to move them off the ball and you got to run directly at them. And I, I just didn't see why Pete Carroll can come up with all types of excuses that he wants to. Um, but sometimes a man just needs to be honest and say, you know, if I had a chance to do it again, you know, I probably would run. I mean, there's nothing wrong, nothing wrong in the world with everybody in the stadium and everybody on the other team knowing what play you're going to run. That's what football is all about, Absolutely. knowing the play but being able to stop the play. Mono on mono. I can't, if you ask every one of those offensive linemen today if they wanted to run the ball, I don't care if they threw a, and threw a touchdown pass. They would say, well, we're happy that we won. We'll take a win any way we can get it. But there are certain things that people who play certain positions want to do and they like to do. And offensive linemen, they like to pound. And there's no way in the world I think that you should have taken that from them. I mean, that is that is your identity of a team. Everybody, you know, you, you talk, even if you did, you had, you know, the run option, the read option, or whatever it is, it should have been a running play. And so for, for me, I find that hard to really digest, uh, particularly uh, for Pete Carroll not to say, hey, sure, uh, they thought we were going to run the ball, and that's why we passed the ball. The hell with that. 
You know, let them know you're going to run it and just go ahead and run it down their throats. That, that's what you do. And, and I just, I'm, I'm just surprised that he wouldn't step up and say we should have ran the ball. I mean, you got a running back. New England would set Gronkowski out against the linebacker, and you knew they were going to throw there. You knew what was going to happen, and they did it. And they did it anyway. And they did it four times they were successful. And that's exactly the point I'm making. Okay, you put him out there. You know you're going to throw the ball to him. You know, if, if nothing else, you know, why don't you make an adjustment? If you, if you put him out there, you know, why don't you put somebody else out there on him? Let a safety go out there on him. Let somebody else go out there on him. They just dare you, you know, to stop it. It's the old, as they would say, we're going to keep doing it until you stop it. We're going to keep running that play until you stop it. If you don't stop it, you're going to get it. Uh, I hate to say this, but I thought we witnessed that in the national championship game uh, a couple weeks ago. They kept running the same play, right. and, and they, they, weren't, they couldn't stop it. So why do anything different? So uh, I, I still don't think anybody's satisfied with Pete Carroll's answer. And I'm going to tell you what I've even watched it myself kind of. You know, dissected the play a little bit, and, and I've got some other opinions about that play. But I tell you what, I think I got to take a break. I may have run over, but we're going to take a break. You listen to Rail Sports on the Voice American Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. I have a cold, but we're still going to come back. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. All right, you hear the music, you know the show. We're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. What matters, of course, we have a new Super Bowl champion, the New England Patriots. Uh, 
We must give respect where respect has been earned, and certainly they deserve to be called champions of the National Football League until this time next year where mm, it's been quite some time since somebody has uh, gone back to back, so we'll see what happens. But, uh, but Keith, I'll go back to you. I, I, you deserve, you've earned the right to continue to uh, elaborate about what happened, of course, on Sunday. Uh, you, of course, did pick them. Um, so we, we want to hear a little bit more about what you have to say. But I've got to think that in the first half you were a little nervous. Well, hey, they uh, had an opportunity and got to give the opposition it to do. I mean, you know, they picked off Brady right at the goal line. Uh, it did not deter New England. They were able to come back. Uh, looked like they were going to be in a, an elite position. At halftime, and you got to give number 13 uh, his due. Uh, I mean, the guy came forth in, in a big game in a big way, did what he was supposed to do. you got to give him that kind of respect. Uh, that's what kept the game close. It also was what I thought, like I said last week. I mean, these guys are pretty well matched up. Um, it's just a matter of determination of who wants the game the most, and I felt that it was going to be the Patriots, and I also, like I said, felt that their defense was being a little bit overlooked and, and, and not be give, being given its due. Well, and, I'm, I'm going I'm to let Chef Julian chime in a little bit, because, Chef, I know uh, first half, uh, there, there were a couple of nice plays that were made uh, by the Seahawks. Uh, I'm sure Tom wasn't so happy with the first half, nor was Bill Belichick. Uh, but yet and still, uh, I, I think Bill and Tom and 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 Tom, I'm sorry, and Josh McDaniels too, uh, were pretty confident in the fact that they still thought there were some things that they might be able to accomplish. But but the Seahawks had to feel good about halftime. Were you feeling good at halftime, Chef? Uh, I was doubt. I doubted uh, the Seahawks in the first in the first quarter and uh, through the second half. But when they scored that touchdown, it it uh, it kind of made it even and it uh, made me feel better about the second half. But uh, I just, I, I just cannot believe that Pete Carroll called a pass play on second and goal. I mean, it, it just, it just, it just bothers me so much. After that great catch by uh, Jermaine Curse, you come out here, didn't have a play to run, so you have to charge a timeout. Then on first and goal, you run it with Marshawn Lynch, and he nearly gets in, uh, the touchdown. It looked like a photo finish when he re- reached for that uh, pylon when you reach for that uh, goal line. And then the next play, you decide not to run it after he just barreled through, two, like, nine guys just to get to that uh, one-yard line. And then to throw the ball and to throw a slant with one yard to go with two touchdowns and three and two more downs after that, that just does not make sense. I don't, I'm, I'm 19 years old, and, I, and even I know that's not even a passing situation. Well, I can tell you this, um, you know, uh, in fact, our engineers have reminded me, uh, so many people have reminded me this week, I've seen it on TV as well, and they've reminded me that, you know, Pete Carroll has, I, I, I think, I don't know, I don't think it's a sense of arrogance, but, but I would certainly say that, that Pete wants to come up with what he believes is an element of surprise at times, and he just does some things that the opposite, the opposition might not think he's going to do. But it, it, it doesn't work for him. I mean, when Reggie Bush is on the sideline, everybody thinking, why is Reggie Bush on the sideline? When, when Mershon Lynch, and, and this is what somebody, what no, nobody else said this as of yet. So I want to say this. 
I want you guys to know, Mershon Lynch was actually open on the goal line. They actually could have threw the ball to him. He he went out the he went out the backfield to the left side, and he was guarded by a linebacker. And I'm sorry, he was wide open. <laughs> they, they, and he never looked. So in a way, and I I don't want to fault Russell Wilson because the only thing I fault Russell Wilson about this is one thing that I fault Russell Wilson about. I fault Russell Wilson about not changing the play to a running play. That's the only thing I fault him about. Because if he would have changed it to a running play, even if they didn't make it, they would have had to call timeout. So if they called timeout, they still would have had another down, and nobody in the world would have faulted Russell Wilson for changing a passing play to a running play when you got Mershon Lynch in the backfield. I mean, I think he should have just called timeout, period. He, he should have just said, what the hell is going on? Really? That's, you're right, Ray. That's the one thing about Wilson not being seasoned enough as a veteran. Um, I mean, a lot of talk here in the East has been like that. If it had been, I'm, I'm going to go back some names here uh, in terms of if it had been Montana, if it had been somebody like Johnny Unitas or Bart Starr, they'd have changed the play. Yeah, but I, 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 think, I think they would have only changed the play, and I'll give them this much credit. I think they would have changed the play when they were at a certain time in their careers. Correct, and they you know, would have dealt with it later. They would have I, I, the I, I, I will never forget this. Honest, this is, I've, I've said this very few times, but when John Elway was driving the ball on the field on, us, on the drive, mm-hmm. I swear I thought about calling the timeout. But I didn't call a timeout because I was new to that team, and I didn't, and I wasn't a captain of the team. I didn't feel that I should have called a timeout of that because some people in basketball they do it all the time when momentum is going. You you call timeout, timeout. They you ran three fast breaks on us, or they hit three jumpers in a row. Timeout. You got to break their momentum, and sometimes you have to break the momentum so that your team can get some rest. You got defensive linemen, and they're they're tired. They're not getting anywhere near Elway. I said we should have called timeout, but but I let it go. I didn't do it, and in this particular case. I think if Russell Wilson would have called timeout simply for the, or if he would have run the ball, and after the game, if they didn't win the game, and he had to answer the, the question of why did we understand that Pete Carroll called a pass and you changed it to a run, and he would have said to them, well, I've got the, you know, I got beast mode in my backfield. I believe beast mode could have got a touchdown. That's why I felt, I felt more comfortable, not that I don't think I could have done it, but there are two things that can happen bad on a pass, an incomplete pass, and an interception. Now, an incomplete pass stops the clock, but still, you know, you don't want an incomplete pass. You want to keep the momentum going. And so I think he should have, and again, next year, if it ever happens to him again, he'll do it. But at this particular time, I think he was still green in his career, not in his abilities, but green in his career. So I think that's the reason why he didn't do that. Chef Julian, did you ever think, did you ever think that and Russell Wilson should have called the timeout or changed the play. It's about the, about this play. I I blame everyone except the people who were who were just t- told to go this way, go that way. I blame the offensive coordinator. I blame Pete Carroll. I blame Russell Wilson. You hear a pass play at the one yard line. I mean, the offensive coordinator that he said he called the play. Pete Carroll should have said something about it. He, I, I guess he trusts his coach enough. Okay, but Russell Wilson, after he saw the coverage, he should he should have changed it back. They had three corners. They weren't they were beefed up on the line. But at that moment, I would have either thrown a toss route to uh, Marshawn Lynch because then those those guys would have ran right up the middle. He would have had an easy way to the uh, to the sideline 
towards that pylon. Or I don't get why he didn't just uh, change the play. And like you said, Marshawn Lynch was wide open. If Russell Wilson didn't just stare right at that uh, at that wide receiver, that cornerback wouldn't have uh, made that big of a cut for that ball. And he would have had Marshawn Lynch wide open if he would have just looked around and not just stared at one. Well, well, well one thing about receiver. it, on, I, I, and I want to step in on that and help you guys out a little bit on that. That play, that's a three-step drop, and you got a one, two, three. It's got to go. Now, you, you if, if you turn the other way, you got to let it go too because it, the rush is going to be on you. But if you got a chance to hear early on, uh, Butler did say that they ran that exact same because guys, what happens is you get you get the film, you get you get to see the films of the plays that these guys have been running all year. So at the, at the Super Bowl, you've seen every play that they've run all year. You've seen what they run on the goal line. They ran that play in practice. He got beat in practice. He said it. He said in practice, when they ran that play, they were successful and got a touchdown. He said that Bill Belichick told him, you've got to make that play. You, you can't let them score. You've got to make that play. So, you know, those are great men out there playing the sport. And sometimes, you know, it's two great athletes that are out there and make, I mean, if you look at it simultaneously, they got there almost at the same time. It was a bam, bam. Oh, yeah. They got there at the same time. You know, I would say this. Russell did throw the ball. Wide receivers are taught to grab the ball out of the air. The wide receiver should have caught the ball in front of him. He shouldn't have let it come up to him. He, he was closer. The ball got to him. The player had to come through him. So the ball got to him before it got to the defensive back. They, were at the, they hit each other's shoulder and went sideways. So if he had stuck his hands out, he had a better chance of getting the ball. But I still cannot. Like you said, the offensive coordinator called the play. If Pete Carroll had his headset on, he is the guy, the ultimate person could have said, no, timeout. We're not running. No, no. It's a pass play. No, timeout. And that's and where. Another thing. Oh, and another thing, I think that the Seahawks would have had, would have left the game in a better mood if they knew that, hey, we gave the ball to Marshawn Lynch three straight times. He didn't get in. You know what? The better team won. I think people would have left, would have stopped watching this game and left this game in a better mood if they were in the, the Seahawks went, uh, tried with Marshawn Lynch three times and they didn't get in, hey, that's a good, that's a good defense. That's a good game. Uh, we can go to bed happy. But that's a good now point. that you that's made that play, that dumb play, I'm sorry, this is one of the dumbest plays I've ever seen in Super Bowl history. And it will go down as such because that is not supposed to happen. This happens in conference championship games, not Super Bowls. You don't make this big of a mistake in a Super Bowl. That is just ridiculous. Well, I'll tell you what. They, um, they're going to have to live with it for a long time. They're going to have to answer that question for a long time. And I think Pete Carroll at some point in time, Pete can tell us everything that we need to hear. He's trying to make it sound good, but it sounds terrible every time he says it. He's got to come up with something different because there's no way you can look at Mershon Lynch. And I think the estimates were, I think they went off him like $10 million dollars. They were going to pay like $10 million a year the next year, and I don't know if it's all going to be guaranteed or whatever. But this is somebody you're considering paying $10 million to do what? To run the ball on the goal line. To run the ball whenever you need some yards. Particularly if it's just one. Man, I can't get over that. I can't get over that. And I, and I wish I, I had something better to say than I can't get over that. But that's, I'm, I'm, just, I, I'm just in awe because I never would have thought that we would find ourselves in this position where we would be, if it was a missed field goal, that'd be something different. If, he, if they would have done something, anything different than what they did, and that is to hand the ball. You should have hand the ball. 
He okay. runs the ball, and he doesn't make it. You don't have any conversations. They did the best they could with the best they had. And he's the best, and that's the best player. I mean, anytime you got one player that you, you know there's no doubt in your mind, he's your best player. He gives you the best chance to win. Everybody else across the board, if you'd have thought about it with the Seahawks and you thought about it, who gives us the best chance to win based upon where the ball is right now? This ball's on the one-yard line right now. Who gives us the best chance to win this football game? Mershon Lynch. Give him the ball. I mean, I, I, I just, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. So anyway, guys, um, I think we got to take another break, if I'm not mistaken. Here, we're going to take another break. And uh, then we're going to come back. And uh, it's going to be the same conversation. They didn't give him the ball. Boy, Rayella Sports on the Voice of America Network. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. All right, you hear the music, you know the show. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. It matters that we have a new Super Bowl champion. The New England Patriots have earned the right to be called champions of the National Football League. That is until next year, where I believe there will be a new team crowned as the Super Bowl champions and therefore champions of the world. But I said I was a little sick and tired. I am sick. I'm, I'm so sick and tired of talking about that play that I've made myself sick. I'm, I'm, I mean, we had, we had a lot of rain here. I can't believe we had rain in the valley. We, this is the desert. We weren't supposed to have that much rain, but we did get rain. Uh, I am a little bit under the weather. Uh, I'm a little disappointed. I don't like to lose. I picked the losing team, uh, but I'm happy for uh, my hometown, my homeboy, my, my high school, Josh McDaniels. I think Josh now has his third Super Bowl ring. Um, you know, Josh, uh, Josh may be, I think Josh earned the right to be the next head coach of the New England Patriots. I think that, uh, I don't know if Bill, I, I doubt that Bill would walk away from it. I don't think Bill. I don't think Bill wants to do anything else. Not that he can't do anything else, but you know, there's much more to the man. The man has a lot more personality what he, than what he displays um, 
you know, on the sidelines during the game. Uh, but let's talk about Bill Belichick for one second here. Uh, this very well conversation could very well be a different conversation if the ball was handed off to Mershon Lynch and he did score because when there was a minute left in the game, uh, Chef Julian said that the uh, Seahawks uh, didn't have a play, but I thought the Seahawks did very well at managing the clock. Uh, they did it. Uh, had they have scored, they did exactly everything they should do. It was going to be less than 20 seconds on the clock if, if they would have you know, run that ball didn't make it, call timeout, run it again. They would have scored. So they, I think they managed the clock extremely well. But on the other hand, I didn't think Bill Belichick handled the clock or managed the time well in that last minute. I, I even remember the big boy show, and Skip Bayless said that he was already preparing himself to just lambaste him to kill him on the show because he let the clock run out and didn't do anything. Now, I'm going to ask you, Keith, I'm going to start with you. As you were watching that game and you were rooting for the Patriots and you saw what was happening and you saw Belichick not call timeout, what were you thinking? That was exactly my thoughts. I'm looking at everything unfolding and I'm saying to myself as the clock's going down to 40 seconds, like in 40 seconds, does Brady have enough time to get in field goal range? 40 seconds maybe. And I'm looking at 35 seconds, 30 you know, I'm down to 20 seconds, and I'm like, expected this. I don't know. I mean, so you, um, do you really... do the you, only question that I had. Yeah, I mean, do, I mean, do you really think that he thought his defense was going to make that kind of play? And I'm surprised somebody... Well, they may have asked him. And Bill certainly said when it came to the uh, defensive side in terms of the pass, I mean, that's one thing that you do. It, it's, it's not a hard thing to have three cornerbacks on the field if you've got three wide receivers, you know. Sometimes you take a safety out, or if you've got the yeah. linebacker, and you take a linebacker out. So, so the matchup personnel, that was okay. But still, they can run the ball just because they've got three wide receivers in doesn't mean they can't run the ball. As a matter of fact, when you spread it out, it's even better to run the ball when you spread the defense out. But I'm talking about the clock. The hell with the personnel, the clock. You're not even going to, if you do stop them, you're not going to have time. I don't think he thought they were gonna, there was going to be a fumble. I, I don't see New England Patriots, even as they, the game was going on, I didn't see them ripping at the ball, trying to get the ball. That's not, they tackle. That's not what they were trying to do. Bill just was going to let the clock run out. And they, I think he, you know, just as bad as we're ripping Pete Carroll right now, we would be ripping Bill Belichick, a new one. If indeed they would have lost that football game, but right now he looks like the hero and Peter's the goat. But Chef Julian, your perspective—did you? Uh, you probably were happy because you were rooting for Seattle, so you wanted them to keep going. But on the other hand, you had to think about—is well, the coach going to call a timeout? Then you think that Belichick was going to stop the clock at some point in time, so he could have a chance to put his man back on the field. Terrific time. To be honest, I thought he was going to try to repeat from the last Super Bowl, let them score, and give Tom Brady more time to kick a field goal. I didn't really notice uh, his timeouts, and then after he called it, after he finally called a timeout, I remember on the uh, watching the Super Bowl, uh, Chris Collins was. He said, "Why didn't Belichick call a timeout earlier? Now, if they score, they're not going to have that much time left." And I just thought about it. I was like, "Yeah." Maybe he should have called a timeout. I think he should have called a timeout after that amazing catch by uh, Jermaine Curse. Uh, that's when he needed to call a timeout. And uh, I think then, if he would have called a timeout, I think that uh, the 
the ending would have been different. <coughs> well, well there's still well over a minute left when he made the catch, so I can't blame Belichick for not doing that. But yeah, once Lynch had that that long run on the very next play. Yes, that's what I saw you, too. That's when you saw yeah the the, the, the complexion was changing. And that's exact. And that's what I that's what I saw. And and you know what, guys? Now that we say that, I'm not so sure that if they had to run that ball with that 20 seconds left, that they might not have let him score. But because it was a pass, the, the defensive backs was playing pass defense, like the guy said. I, I'm a I play pass defense first. Yep. And so you know the ball was thrown in the air, so you you try to play the ball there. But in terms of running the ball, you know if you run the ball, you stop him. It's 20 seconds left. You know, you run them, you stop them. Okay, wow, it's, uh, you know, it's 19, it's 18 seconds left. You know, you call a timeout, they run it again. You know, wow, wh- what are you going to do? So uh, that, that, that's a tough one, man. I just, I, I'm just not so sure when it, when it comes to Bill what he was thinking about there. Uh, but let me just say this. Let me, let me move on to a, a subject that I think is important to talk about, and that's terrific Tom. I mean, Tom has now earned that name. Uh, Tom is uh, certainly in this generation of quarterbacks, he's head and shoulders above everybody else. Uh, he's he's kind of reached that uh, Michael Jordan status, if you will, of the National Football League. And that when the, when you talk about the greatest, now everybody does not, you know, it's not across the board guaranteed. Everybody's going to say that Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player. I happen to believe that he is because he could do all those things. Uh, some people think Will Chamberlain and a few other guys, but you know the big men—they can't do everything. I think Michael could do it all. Uh, Tom Brady, w- when it comes to the greatest quarterbacks to ever play in National Football League, he's got four Super Bowl champions uh, rings now. I think he's been to what five or six of them. Uh, is Tom Brady certainly in this generation? Can we close the book on this generation and say that Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of this generation, or is there somebody else who's in that conversation? He's the most accomplished from the year two thousand on. Who and so Easily. so so he's the most accomplished. So yeah. is that is that to say that he's not the greatest quarterback of this generation? Um, is there one you would pick instead of him? I'm not going to say there's anyone greater, but there you got the the one thing that keeps him from being, and it's not him, and that's the unfortunate part. I mean, they lost twice to the Giants on like stuff that's like. Magic. Um, he did everything that he could possibly do, but yet he still has those two losses, and those two losses in just unspeakable ways. I, I, I would still say that even though he has those two losses, uh, you know, I, I think the Giants earned those 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 victories. There's no doubt about it. even that, even the catch that we're talking about the other day that was such a great catch. I, you know, there's not there's no such thing as luck. I, and this is what I'm going to say because if you watch the gentleman as he caught the football, it was about concentration. He kept his eye on the ball the entire time until it was in his hands. That was concentration. That's what you're taught to do. You that you're taught to concentrate on the ball. So I, I don't want to say that was lucky. The same thing with, with, with Tyree. When he caught the ball, again, it was concentration on the ball. The ball still, he still felt that ball with his hands. He, he, he mashed that onto his helmet as hard as he could, and he held control of it. So, you know, I think that sometimes, you know, people, you know, want to insert the word luck when it's really a person who's doing the things that they should do, the things that they've practiced year after year, minute after minute, hour after hour, day after day. 
Uh, just like Odell Beckham, we see these catches that we think so lucky. He he shows you film of him catching these balls like this, practicing uh, these catches. So these players that, that Tom Brady has gone up against and he's lost, those men have put in a tremendous amount of time, and I think they deserve it. But I certainly think that Tom has earned the right. I, I mean, the rest of the guys that's in the conversation, they got two rings. Um, you know, who's it? I mean, really, if you think about it in terms of, their competitiveness and and their their real skill set. I think Aaron Rodgers and and May and 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 let's go. What do we got to go with uh, with Peyton? I think those two are the other two that you might consider to take instead of him. But other than that, really, I don't think there's anybody else in this generation of quarterbacks that you really think is in the class of Tom Brady. What he's accomplished and his skill set. Yeah, the closest I think you would come. I mean, unfortunately, Manning comes up small, Peyton comes up small in the biggest game every single time, and that's the big blemish with him. Um, Rodgers hasn't been there often enough, but I think Rodgers would probably be the next in line. I mean, he's got the same mental toughness, the same drive. He brings the best out of his players. Um, I mean, Brady has just worked, worked, worked from day one to be what you see today, and you got to give him that. And you know, he has worked himself to be literally, yes, um, the most consistent and gets the most out of the least talent of anybody I've ever seen. You know what, Keith? I'm going to agree with you on that, but we're going to take a break. And I'm going to say this before we go into break. I think that Aaron Rodgers, in terms of pure ability, athletic ability, I think Aaron is probably the best athlete of all those quarterbacks. Drew Brees is a pretty damn good athlete, too, but he's not in that conversation right now. So we're going to take this break. We're going to come back. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Matters. What matters, a new Super Bowl champion, the New England Patriots. 
they earned it. And they will be called the Super Bowl champs of 2015 until next year. I uh, also want to thank the man. That man is Guy Troop. The moment, of course, was the 15th Annual Player Networking event. Outstanding event. I'd like to thank everybody who showed up. Too many names for me to mention. I'd be remiss because I mentioned one and I forget somebody else. Uh, but thank you guys for what you do, for what you are, what you stand for. There were so many executives. Executives for the National Football League are just like football players. See, we don't know who they are. They don't know who we are. They wear their suits and ties. We wear our helmets. But uh, so many people showed up, and I was so thankful because that showed that uh, they actually care. And they came by and they saw uh, the players had their own businesses. Player was uh, making pitches for uh, for opportunities to get funding for expansion or new business, new startups, and uh, we just had a great time. Uh, but I, I, I gotta do this, and I'm gonna do kind of like what Roger did. I'm gonna say this now. I'm, I'm I'm gonna say this because it just needs to be said. Because again, there's no. Yeah, I'm gonna take the luck out of this too. Uh, but Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell, really? I mean, everybody thought this time at the middle of the season that the Super Bowl weekend was going to be tarnished because I believe it was already decided that the whole Ray Rice issue and the domestic violence and the child abuse, all that was going to be the center of attention because Roger had deferred from what I understood and what I heard to address that at the Super Bowl. And then what happens at the Super Bowl? We get deflate gate. So we get deflate gate, and all of a sudden now nobody's talking about the domestic violence. Nobody's talking about the child abuse. And Roger doesn't have to address that because we got the deflate gate. Well, now you get one of the greatest football games you've ever had in your life, you've ever seen. You probably will never see another one like this one. Go down to the very last play of the game. You know, the Ohio State Buckeyes had a great game against the Oregon Ducks. But I mean, but this one was, again, sports fans have gotten their money from football players. And I'm so glad and thankful that they have. But now you get the greatest game. And then after the greatest game, you not only talk about that, but at the wallet coolers now, they're talking about Johnny football. So Roger's going to be, you know, Roger, man. You're good at what you do. Keep doing a good job. You're good at what you do. But I got to spend some time on Johnny football. I mean, really, guys? Johnny football, really? I mean, you're, you're, I'm somebody, listen, if Pete Carroll's head is not going to roll, which I don't think it's going to roll, Pete's going to be there. And I like Pete, guys. You guys know what he was to my career, so I like him. He shouldn't roll. That was just a bonehead call. But whoever picked Johnny football has to go. He, he just got, he's, he's got to go. There were so many signs out there, so many signs. And the only way that you as a personnel director stand firm on Johnny football is that the talent is just over the top, that, that the talent is worth the risk. The talent was not worth the risk. I'm going to ask you, Chef Julian, to give me a little bit of insight there, see, because you're in the Hall of Fame city, and then I'm going to get Keith, who's really going to bring some perspective that I'm going to, I'm probably going to feel a little bit more new because Johnny Football, everybody loves him back there, but, but Chef Julian, I want to know what's cooking when it comes to this thing with Johnny Football, man. Really? Did you guys buy into that? Fans, I have I have no problem with it. He's going to rehab. He, he, he's admitting the problem. He is willing to fix that problem to better his career, to better, to better his team, and to better the Browns organization. I respect him for this. 
you know, I mean, before, you know, he was partying and stuff. I mean, it got it got out of hand, but I mean, it didn't get it didn't cause uh, bad publicity. It just caused him to just it just caused people to be like, oh, he's out partying again. But this time, he he put himself in rehab and he's showing that he has a problem and he's willing to fix it for his team. Well, you know what? I'm I'm, I'm talking about Johnny Football, the football player, not Johnny Football, the person. Johnny Football, the person. I have all the empathy in the world for because I want him to get better as a human being. I want him to be cured of whatever disease that he has because it is a disease. But Johnny Football, the football player, man, we need you to be playing football. We don't need you to be taking time off to be going to rehab. You should have never been in rehab. You should have gotten your act together when you found out, when you decided to come out of college, you should have manned up, grown man at that time and become a man. If you were not a man, if you were not ready for the demands of the National Football League, you should have stayed in college until you were able to mature. Your mom and dad can't buy you out of everything. People spend thousands of dollars for season tickets because of you. You, I think you had one of the highest selling jerseys in the history of National Football League when you decided you were going to go pro and the Cleveland Browns picked you. Really? And this is what you, they, they asked you during the season, you got a day off, you're going to go to Vegas because it's, it's the bye week? Really? And you want to be the, you want to be the leader of this team? And I, that, that's why the personnel director, okay, ultimately I think the owner asked the personnel directors, okay, what's the character on this guy? Give me the character. I know the I know the ability. I know what you got. But talk to me about the person. If their background checks are not was as as uh, as thorough as what I heard this morning on the Big Boy Show, then they got to go. I mean, the Big Boy Show could tell me all the way back to high school that Johnny had problems in high school drinking. They certainly know about it in college. So nothing's changed. This kid has been doing what he's doing. And, and the only thing about it is he has talent, and he's been performing at that level, and he's been superior at that level, but this is the National Football League, and Johnny Manziel has told us that it's not for long, because I don't know if he's going to be there for long. So, okay, Keith? That's exactly right. You're in the pros now. You don't have a long leash like you have in college. Um, you got to produce today, or you are definitely gone tomorrow. And... Um, he reminds me, um, in terms of, you know, somebody who's got talent but had a, I won't say a totally hidden problem, but this goes back to you, think hard, Ray, Art Schlichter, QB out of Ohio State, went to Baltimore. A lot of talent, but had a problem he just couldn't deal with, and... Bruce couldn't put up with. And you know what the thing about it is art they didn't they didn't they didn't, they gave him a chance. Right. But they didn't they didn't keep him around too long. That's right. You because play. they had a guy there they brought out of Arizona State the same draft if not the next year Mike Pagel next thing you know Mike Pagel was was playing and Arch Leister was not. And I, that's what I'm saying with Johnny Fo- the National Football League listen. The National Football League is one thing I bothered is there are times where they'll make a mistake, they'll correct that mistake. There's a thing called a draft that comes up. They could turn around and draft up. Cleveland's been drafting quarterbacks. They've been, but but again, not it's been because of a lack of talent and not character. But they've been drafting quarterbacks forever. I don't know how many different ones they've had since you know, uh, since Bernie was there. I mean, that's the last quarterback, real quarterback, I'll say that they've had. And I heard something else on the Big Boy Show. I can't believe this. 
you know, uh, somebody had mentioned that Johnny Menzel might be. Skip said, that. I'm going to call him out. Skip, really? Are you going to say that Johnny Menzel could possibly be the best talent that they've had on that field since Jim Brown? Are you serious? Really? I know you didn't really mean that kind of skip. You need to go back and listen to that. You made that this morning. You said that he, Johnny Menzel, could be the closest talent to him, his abilities, or Jim Brown. Jim Brown and Johnny Menzel should never be in the same conversation at all unless they've hired Jim Brown to help consult with Johnny Menzel. That's the only way his name is in that conversation. And by the way, there's been a couple Hall of Famers there in between there if, if, you, if you stop and think about it, Skip. That's just not the truth. Uh, and nothing else, my good dear friend, uh, Ozzie Newsom, you know. And if nothing else, there's two corners, great corners, the greatest talent that ever played the game, Hanford Dixon and Frank Minifield. I know they said the other two guys are out there in Oakland. And uh, but but I kind of disagree with that. But Johnny football, really, Johnny, I want you to I want you to recover as a person. But as a football player, I don't think that you are an NFL quarterback. I want you to prove me wrong. And I want you to be a NFL quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. And I want you to take them to a championship game. And not only that, not only that, there's another football player who's, who's known for partying. His name is Rob Gronkowski, but when this season when the season starts, he doesn't he doesn't go go out partying. He works at the gym. He goes to the gym. He goes to the field. He practices. And now, guess what? He's in, he's a Super Bowl champion. Yeah, but Gronk, uh, th- this guy took himself to you know to rehab. Gronk doesn't need to go to rehab. This guy is sick. Gronk is not sick. Gronk likes to party. This guy is sick. He's an alcoholic. He needs help. And I hope and pray that he gets him. But I tell you what, guys, listen, man, next year, hopefully we're going to be talking about somebody else. Uh, Keith, quick prediction. Who do we see in the Super Bowl next year? You got that on, on, on the top of your head already? Or am uh, I, Seattle. Uh, Seattle's is, okay. <laughs> chef Julian, you want to take a pick? Throw somebody out there. You got somebody, Chef? Seattle. <laughs> see, <laughs> three years in a row. Hmm, I think that's going to be a tough one. I tell you what, guys, I'm going to need time to think about it. I've been hitting my head too many times. I can't think that fast. But I want to thank you guys. I want to thank you guys for joining me. You've been listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Thank you for spending this hour with Ray Ellis Sports. We hope that you've enjoyed today's conversation. For more information and to write Ray, visit RayEllisSports.com. That's RayEllisSports.com. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel.